What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going to be going over my top 12 wide receivers. But before we get into that, I just want to go over a couple things real quick. I know there has been a lot of recent news about players opting out and people being put on the pup list and whatnot. I will be, of course, adjusting my projections, but I am not going to do that until about a week or so passes by because I know teams are going to pick up vets to replace and whatnot, so I don't want to do it too early. I don't want to have reactionary rankings and then have to change them a second time super quick back-to-pack in a short period of time, so I'm just going to give it a bit before I do that. And lastly, before we go ahead and get started, if you guys enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and just reach out to one person that you know. Because we all play fantasy football, we all know guys that play fantasy football, even if it's not somebody in your league because you don't want them to get the same information as you. If it's just a friend that you know that plays, tell them to check out the podcast. It would mean a lot to me. You know, I'm trying to grow. And thank you guys for listening. And now we are going to go ahead and get started. And obviously, my wide receiver one to start off the pod is Michael Thomas. It's not even close to me. He is my clear wide receiver one. Now, am I saying that I don't think anybody can beat him out to be the wide receiver one for this year? Of course not. But if I had to place a bet on who would be the wide receiver one, I'm taking Michael Thomas every single time. I have him projected right now for 48 fantasy points more than my second best wide receiver. So to me, automatically, that already breaks off a tier. So just like McCaffrey was in his own tier, although that gap is much bigger than this gap, Michael Thomas is to me, in his own tier, not just because of the 48 points between him and my wide receiver two, but also because I would take Michael Thomas at five or six in a draft, and I wouldn't take my wide receiver two until the very back of the first or maybe top of the second, because I think there's a clear difference between them. Thomas is madly efficient, he's in a good offense, and he has superb quarterback play. Some people are worried about the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, and Honestly, do I think that Michael Thomas is going to get those 185 targets that he got last year? No, I don't. But I do think Emmanuel Sanders is going to help him in terms of raising his potential to score touchdowns because he actually has somebody competent next to him now. Plus, the Saints are probably going to run more because they have Kamara healthy the whole time and Breeze is on the field. They'll keep leads and whatnot. Their defense should be good still. And so, yeah, they're going to run more. They're going to pass less. That's a big reason why I have Thomas getting less targets. But it doesn't even matter if he has less targets. I have him projected for 21.5 points per game this year, down from last year's 23.4. And nevertheless, he's still my number one. And it's by, like I said, a wide margin. So there's just so many things going in his favor. And there's nothing to worry about. There is absolutely nothing to worry about. He has week-to-week consistency, a great floor, an immense ceiling. My projections for him this year are about 160 targets, clocking in at 10 per game, 131 receptions, 1,532 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Like I said, I think his touchdown upside is going to be there much more than it has been with the addition of a second or a secondary threat in that receiving game with Emmanuel Sanders. 
Then I have the tier break, and then I go to my wide receiver two, and that person is Devontae Adams. So this is the start of my tier two of wide receivers. So these next three guys, because that's how big this tier is, you can order them any way you want, but this is my preferred order. I had Devontae Adams at two. Considering the Packers added basically nobody in the receiving game except for Devin Funches, who just opted out of the season, Adams will again be the only true receiving threat for Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Alan Lazard is there, but he's nothing close to being somebody that would be able to impact the target share that Adams is going to get. So I expect his PPR and touchdown dominance both to continue. I'm taking Devontae as my second wide receiver every single time. He is the top guy in this tier for me. I also project, and this is a good thing to note, I also project the Packers to pass less this season than most other analysts do, and Devontae Adams is still my wide receiver too. So if the Packers don't pass as little as I am projecting, then that's an even higher ceiling for Devontae Adams. So that's another reason that you should go ahead and take him. I have him as the target leader in the NFL this season at 164 targets, 106 receptions, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Then at wide receiver three, I have Julio Jones. So this second tier is basically the wide receivers, not including Michael Thomas, that I have projected for more than 150 targets. Like I said, I have Adams as the leader in the NFL at 164. I have Julio at 158. And then my next wide receiver, I also have at 158 to round out this tier. Julio is going to get the 150 mark easily. I have him at 158, but he could easily get to the 170 range. Matt Ryan and the Falcons, as I have them projected right now, are probably going to throw more than any other team in the league. I have Matt Ryan as the leader in pass attempts. Julio has a tremendous ceiling because of the fact that they are going to have so much volume going to their receivers. I don't think his ceiling is as high as we would hope it to be, like hope it is because he's never been a super heavy touchdown guy. He's never had double digit touchdowns. Um, actually, I think he might have had 10 one season, but that would have been like his second season, I think. Um, but yeah, in like the last five years, he's never had more than eight touchdowns, which is what I have him projected for this year, because I do think Matt Ryan in his second year with his offensive coordinator with Dirk Cutter, that's when Matt Ryan always explodes. So I think he's going to throw for a lot of touchdowns along with yardage. And so I think that's going to help Julio and Calvin Ridley, who we also will be getting to today. And so his ceiling may be lower because of the touchdowns, but because of the volume, it could be just as good as Adams or Thomas's. It's just not as good as a player like his should profile to be. And he also has a lower floor. That's one thing worth mentioning. It's part of the reason that I pivot away from Julio, or not pivot away from him, but have a significant amount of running backs that I take between Devontae Adams and Julio because he has a lower floor. And, you know, if he only pumps out five touchdowns, that's really going to hurt him. So that's why he's behind Devontae Adams for me is basically the touchdowns because I think they're going to get around the same targets and they're pretty much similar in receptions and yardage. Then to finish off the tier at wide receiver four, I have DeAndre Hopkins. This is going to be surprising to some of you guys. Some of you guys are so worried about the fact that he just went to the Cardinals and I'll give you credit. It's true that this is probably the worst season for a wide receiver to be with a new quarterback or on a new team in a new offense. But here's the thing. People are worried about DeAndre Hopkins' target share. Can he get 30% target share that he was getting in Houston? That's a popular question. Personally, while it is a concern, I'm not that worried about it. When Christian Kirk was healthy, he was pulling in, and Larry Fitzgerald was on the field as well the whole time. 
Christian Kirk was pulling in a 25% target share. I have Hopkins projected at a 28.5%, so a bit more from Kirk. Do we not think that DeAndre Hopkins can get a higher target share than Kirk did last year? Yes, granted, I know that when Kirk was there, it was basically Kirk and Hopkins, and now it's going to be, or I mean Kirk and Fitzgerald, and now it's going to be Hopkins, Kirk, and Fitzgerald. So I know there's an extra receiver, but Hopkins is an elite player, and maybe some people think this is a hot take. I don't. Maybe the best wide receiver in the league. He's going to get his targets. Plus, I only have the Cardinals at 547 passes. So if they throw more, which is very possible, if they end up throwing 570 times or 565 times, then he could have a lower target share than 28.5. Let's say you could have him at a 25.5% target share, and he would still land at my wide receiver four if they had an uptick in passes, which is possible. So I feel pretty safe with this projection. I think he's going to break the 150 target barrier, and it's it's a good receiver to take. And right now he is ADP wide receiver four off the board, but I know in terms of people that are super into podcasts and uh, analysts that do their rankings and stuff, I probably have him higher having him at four than most people. Most people, I think, have him around like seven, eight. But I'm going to the elite target in a – or what I project to be a good offense. And so then I have a tier break. So tier one was Michael Thomas by himself. Then tier two was the three receivers I project to have more than 150 targets. And now we have a new tier, tier three. And it starts off at five with Chris Godwin. Here's the thing. The Buccaneers are set up to run a lot of 12 personnel. For those of you that don't know what that is, that means that there's going to be two tight ends. That's the two of the 12 and one running back. There's always five total personnel between uh, running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. So if it's 12 personnel, it's two tight ends, two wide receivers, one running back for a total of five. That means that much like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry for the Browns last year, Godwin and Evans could soak up a huge portion of this passing offense if it's Howard, Gronk, and the two receivers on the field. I expect Gronk to be used sparingly. Some people think that he's just going to come in. He's going to be the clear number one tight end. He's going to get targeted often. I don't really think so. I think that they're going to make sure he doesn't break down before the Bucks get to the playoffs. Because, trust me, expectations in Buck Nation right now are sky high. I can tell you this as a Bucks fan. We all think that if Brady can stay healthy all 16 games, not saying that there's really any reason to doubt it, but just as a precaution, if he stays uh, healthy all 16, plays all 16, the Bucks are going to make the playoffs. It's almost impossible for me to envision otherwise because of the roster that we have built around Tom Brady. So with that in mind, considering that's also how the front office feels, why when you have Cameron Bray, OJ Howard, and Gronkowski, would you be using or utilizing Gronk as he was used when he was in the in New England with the Patriots? You have so much talent. Why do you have to, to lean on him? You don't. So God, Godwin is probably going to pull in the most targets in the offense, and he's going to run in the slot often, which we know Brady loves. Godwin was ranked as the number two slot wide receiver in the league last year. And I think that was, I'm pretty sure it was according to Pro Football Network, PFN. If it wasn't PFN, then it was PFF, but I'm pretty sure it was PFN. And then furthermore, on PFN's research on Godwin, when he was outside, he's still elite. He created mad separation, and he was always producing after the catch. He was ranked inside the top 10 
as an outside wide receiver. So he was the number two slot receiver inside the top 10 as an outside wide receiver. So basically he's a top 10 wide receiver in the league. He's good everywhere. He's probably going to be Brady's target hog, his reception guy, the guy he goes to. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be reliable week to week. I love Chris Godwin. I think he's going to be the better one between him and Mike Evans. He's going to be the one that gets more targets, in my opinion. And I only have him projected at 129 targets because I don't think the Bucks are going to throw the ball 600-plus times like they were with Jameis. Part of that was because Jameis likes to turn the – not likes to, but would turn over the ball a lot and has to play catch-up. Brady's not going to do that. He's, that's not his game. He makes smart decisions. He'll check it down more often. He'll be safe. He'll keep drives going. So because of that, the Bucks are probably not going to have to pass as much. So it's hard for me to see – Godwin getting like 145 targets. Some people haven't projected in that range. That's great because usually it still has them, has Godwin finishing as like five wide receiver five in their rankings. But I have him at 129 targets, 95 receptions, 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns. And then at wide receiver six, I have staying in the same division, DJ Moore. I can honestly see DJ Moore being Michael Thomas Jr. for Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy Bridgewater had Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas last year in fantasy while Bridgewater was starting did not miss a beat. He did not miss a beat. You couldn't even tell. If you just look at Thomas's numbers, you couldn't even tell there was a different quarterback playing. DJ Moore is actually a pretty similar receiver to Michael Thomas in body type, toughness, play style. And last year, DJ Moore saw 135 targets, but only four touchdowns. This year, I have him at slightly, slightly more targets, but he should be way more efficient because Teddy is a significant upgrade over Kyle Allen. Significant. I also project more than four touchdowns. So not only is he going to be better efficiency-wise, but he should get more than four touchdowns off 100 and almost 140 targets because that's very low for someone with that kind of target count. So you might think, DJ Moore at six, that's a reach. Honestly, look at my projection, or I'll tell you my projection since this is the podcast. Um... I'll tell you my projection, and then go ahead and look, pull up on your phone or whatever, go ahead and look at what he did last year, and it's not a reach at all, considering that the quarterback is better and everything. So I have him at 139 targets, up from 135 last year, 98 receptions because of increased efficiency, 1,225 yards, and seven touchdowns, only seven touchdowns. I have him projected for the lowest touchdown total out of any wide receiver in my top 12 tied with one other person at seven. Then after DJ Moore, I have at seven Tyreek Hill. So this is going to seem low to a few of you, but get this. I have Tyreek projected for more points per game this year than he scored last year. That's right. He was not as good as everyone thought he was last year. He posted 15.7 points per game, which was tied for 10th per my research. And why do I say per my research? Because my points per game are a little bit different from just a standard points per game that you see because I adjust for injury. If a player got, like Tyreek Hill's first week, if you just go by points per game, it's obviously by uh, games played. That would count against Tyreek Hill that week one when he got injured. I pull that game out. I res- remove those fantasy points. So I adjust my points per game due to games where somebody got injured and it affected their fantasy performance. So after I did that adjustment, he was tied for 10th in points per game. Tyreek is a guy, yes, that will win you weeks, but he can also handicap you with a bad performance. He serves as a great wide receiver too, if you go like wide receiver, wide receiver. But honestly, for me, he's not really somebody I want as my wide receiver one, unless you make it a note to build consistent wide receivers around him. 
So I think Tyreek struggles from a lack of targets. It's going to be hard for him to enter the tier with Adams, Julio, and company, the other being Hopkins, because he's not going to get to that 150 target range. The Chiefs are super efficient. They have a good run game. Their defense has been getting better. They are not going to need to throw the ball so much, and that's going to hurt Tyreek's upside, especially considering that Travis Kelsey may out-target him again. So that's why I have Tyreek a little bit lower than uh, average. Then I have another tier break. So now we're going to enter tier four, and this is when the tiers start getting a little bit bigger for me at wide receiver. So I would clearly take Godwin, Moore, and Tyreek Hill over this next group of guys. If you want to take Tyreek in front of Godwin and Moore, look, they're in the same tier for me. That's fine. So now to start off tier four at wide receiver, this is the hottest thing you're going to hear. It's going to shock you if you haven't been paying attention to me on Twitter and whatnot, or if you haven't listened to a couple podcasts. Tyler Boyd is my wide receiver eight. It's honestly ridiculous and disrespectful how low his ADP is. As a starter, he has always been a wide receiver too. And right now, he's being drafted as the wide receiver 30. He's always actually been inside the wide receiver 20 as a starter. And he's being drafted as the wide receiver 30. And it makes no sense to me. He has a better quarterback. Better surrounding talent, which will boost his efficiency, and a better O-line with Jonah Williams coming back, which will just help the offense overall be better and provide more scoring opportunities. Plus, Boyd, contrary to popular opinion, is not just a high-floor, low-ceiling play. He has a... Excuse me. He has a ceiling. Boyd was the wide receiver, too. If you take his games as a starter with A.J. Green on the field. He averaged more points per game than A.J. Green did. He averaged over 17 points per game. That's top five wide receiver territory. And if you put it over last year, if you extended that average with A.J. Green over a 16-game season and put that over last year's numbers, he would have been the wide receiver too. He is way more efficient when there is another threat beside him. The Bengals should pass a lot, one, and Boyd is the only true slot guy in Cincinnati. What does that mean? That means his targets are safe. T. Higgins, who just got added, is an outside receiver. He's not going to run the slot. AJ Green is is back. He's an outside receiver. He's not going to run in the slot. John Ross is the only person that might take some slot snaps, but he's better as an outside receiver. He's not a true slot guy like Tyler Boyd. And then Auden Tate is not a slot receiver either. He's more of an outside guy. So boom, I just went over the five wide receivers in Cincinnati. Only one of them, Tyler Boyd, is the true slot. So If you still think the ranking is insane, go ahead and either read the article that I wrote on Boyd. That'll probably change your mind if you go into it with an open mind. Or listen to the podcast that I released called Team Tyler when I talk about Tyler Boyd and Tyler Higby, both guys that I like at ADP. Except on Yahoo, Tyler Higby's uh, ADP is starting to get a little wild at like the back of the fifth round. But just in general, ADP at like the seventh, eighth, seven, eight turn for Higby, I like him too. For Tyler Boyd's projections... I have him at 142 targets, 98 receptions. He's going to see such better efficiency with all the weapons around him. He was more than 10% better in catch rate. He had almost a three-yard or two-yard difference per reception when A.J. Green is on the field. Same with the catch rate that I was just talking about. So honestly, he's only going to be better this year than last year. And that's not even including the fact that he's a better quarterback now. And then I have him for uh, seven touchdowns. He was the one that I have tied with DJ Moore. So these are the only two guys that I have for less than eight touchdowns in my top 12. So, and in that, in that uh, aspect, that makes them a little bit safer as well. 
because anytime that you're looking at receivers that you have projected, sometimes for a tiebreaker, I'll take the guy that I have projected for lower touchdowns because touchdowns are the most volatile thing to project. So if I have someone ranked high with a low touchdown count, that means they have more room for improvement and less room to be a bust. So I'll take that guy. So I love Tyler Boyd. Then at nine, I have Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju's moving back to the slot and getting Big Ben back. Both of those factors will be huge in setting him up for a bounce back. Juju Smith-Schuster was getting 160 plus targets the last time we saw him with Big Ben. And that was when Antonio Brown was still in the picture. If it wasn't for the Steelers' vaulted defense and the fact that I project the Steelers to pass less, then Juju would probably be near top five for me. Last year, and obviously we didn't even get to see if this projection, which was a little bit ballsy in my opinion, uh, was right because of everything that happened in Pittsburgh with Big Ben getting hurt and everyone just you know dealing with injuries in a rough situation. But last year I had Juju projected as my wide receiver too. I had him as the lead league lead in targets. Also, I wasn't expecting their defense to be as good as it was, so I thought they were going to pass a lot. So that was part of the reason that I had him projected for a lot of targets. But we still haven't seen Big Ben with this defense at the level that it's at now. So is there a chance that I'm wrong and that they do still pass 650 times, even though they have a good defense, just because they say, I don't care. Like, we have Big Ben. He's going to, you know, let it rip to Deontay and Juju and Washington and Claypool and Ebron. So it's possible, and that would just raise Juju's ceiling for me because right now I have the Steelers in about the 580 pass attempt range. So I have him in my top 10, but last year, or the last year that Big Ben played, he was in the 650-plus range. So that's still a significant step down, and that's why I don't have Juju as high as I did that year, or last year. So with Juju, essentially, bottom line, you're going to get an extremely high-targeted guy in a good offense that passes a lot, just not as much as they did. And he's at a good price, third, fourth round. That's great. I have him at 147 targets, 95 receptions, 1,159 yards, 8 touchdowns. Then we have Calvin Ridley still in this fourth tier. Calvin Ridley is my wide receiver 10. And I want you to notice, I just went Tyler Boyd, Juju, Calvin. Now, granted, Calvin does run outside and Gage will be in the slot. But Calvin Ridley is also versatile. He gets used in the slot as well. So I just had three slot receivers in high pass volume offenses go back to back to back. And that's something that I love grabbing in fantasy drafts, especially because I go running back heavy. Slot receivers or receivers in Ridley's case that can play the slot, but also play outside in high volume offenses are fantasy gold. So when you look at Ridley, just like Julio was ranked really high for me in a season that Matt Ryan's probably going to go nuts, then it's going to benefit Ridley too. And Hayden Hurst was added, yes, and they lost Austin Hooper, but there's a very good chance Hayden Hurst, especially because of, you know, no preseason and shortened offseason or training camp and everything because of COVID, it's possible that Hayden Hurst doesn't get acclimated right away. He doesn't pick up the same target share that Austin Hooper was getting. He might get a little bit less. So that even gives Calvin Ridley more room for improvement in terms of target share because Sanu is gone and Hooper's gone. So it's Julio, Ridley, and that's basically it. Russell Gage is okay. He did get a lot of targets, but he's not in terms of talent anywhere near Julio or Ridley. And then Hayden Hurst is new. So we don't really know exactly how much of Austin Hooper's workload he's going to get. So Ridley's in a great situation. He has a higher touchdown upside than Julio Jones, which is so weird and makes no sense, but it's true. It is what it is. And he gives you pretty good week-to-week consistency. He definitely will this year. 
uh, because I think he's going to get a bigger target share and Matt Ryan's just going to go crazy, like I said. So I have him at 122 targets. Last year, he was in the 90s, but he did miss a couple games and his rookie year, he was in the 90s. Then I have him at 84 receptions, 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns. And 10 touchdowns might sound a lot, especially considering I have Julio at eight. But if you look at his touchdown uh, history, it's not because I'm pretty sure he got 10 last year or was on pace for 10 last year. And he almost had that if he didn't have 10 exactly, his rookie year. So Ridley's been really good with touchdowns. Then wide receiver 11, still in the same tier. Like I said, it's a big tier. Allen Robinson. He was a lot, a lot better than I realized during the season last year. I have him projected basically the same as last year. It's just in terms of total fantasy points. I just have him projected at less volume, but an increased efficiency because I do project Nick Foles as the starter. And I think he's going to be a slightly better passer than Mitch Trubisky. So overall, he's going to have a similar fantasy point total. Allen Robinson is the go-to guy there. It's no question. Also, this is really good to look at. Darius Slay left the division. So he was looking at Darius Slay twice a season. Now he's not. Not only did Darius Slay leave the division, but all of the starting cornerbacks from Minnesota left the division. So Allen Robinson is set up for success this year. But I do think the Bears are able to run the ball better, and thus they will choose to do so more often. And if their run game is horrible, Robinson could finish much higher than wide receiver 11. But I think their run game is going to be a little bit better because I think Foles is going to help the offense overall be a little bit more efficient in every category. And thus, if their running game gets better because it was so bad last year, they will choose to run more and they still have an elite defense. So they're going to be in a good situation. I actually think that they could be, uh, you know, a contender for playoffs. They're going to be in that in the race for a playoff seating if Foles can just play decent halfway decent because that would be a significant upgrade from Trubisky last year and I think the Vikings might be the worst team in this division um some of you guys are going to hate that that might be a hot take to some of you guys I really don't think so because of all the defensive pieces they lose they lost especially considering that they're gonna um likely lose Everson Griffin now too along with all their corners and they also lost uh Linville Joseph I believe so their defense, which was always the strength of their team, is struggling. They also lost the fun digs. So, yes, I do like their draft that they had, but I think that they're in a competitive division, and it might be tough. The Lions might make a comeback this year and uh, might push the Vikings down to the worst team in the league. Or not in the league, sorry, in the division. Then, to f- finish out my top 12 wide receivers, I have, at 12, Mike Evans. So, this is my second pair of receivers in the top 12. Obviously, the other one was Ridley and Julio. It makes sense because if you think about the fact that I have the Falcons projected for the, the NFL lead in pass attempts and Ridley and Julio inside the top 12, I have the Bucks projected for the lead in passing touchdowns and Evans and Godwin are in the top 12. So Evans and Godwin straight up, they're not going to have the volume. There's no way that they're going to have the same amount of volume as Julio and Ridley, but they're probably going to be more efficient, especially with Brady in town. Mike Evans, it's very possible he puts up a 16-touchdown season. He could easily lead the league in receiving touchdowns. I haven't projected to do so, but I only have him at 11. He could play a similar role for Tom Brady that Randy Moss did back in the day. And here's another thing to think about. You cannot double cover Mike Evans. Not anymore with Gronk, Howard, Brait, and Godwin in tow, man, 
This is just going to be a great offense to watch. It's going to be a very fun offense. And you can't double cover anybody, which is going to make this offense run smooth as butter. So Mike Evans, I have at only, only 117 targets. That is so low if you just look at his track record. But it's because I don't think we're going to have to pass the ball. We, I say we because I'm a Bucks fan. I don't think we're going to have to pass the ball as much as we have in the past. So I think it's going to hurt the receivers a little bit in that aspect. But I think we're going to be super efficient. And so I have him at 117 targets, 73 receptions, 1,100 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That rounds out my top 12 wide receivers. And just to go over it real quick, as a recap, wide receiver one, obviously, Michael Thomas. Boom, tier break. Then in the second tier, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, all projected for above 150 targets. Boom, tier break. Wide receiver five, Chris Godwin. Then DJ Moore, Tyreek Hill, another tier break. Now we're in tier four of wide receivers. This is one that's your start elongating. This tier lasts all the way out to 12, and I think it, I believe it continues on into the next podcast. Eight, at wide receiver eight, I have Tyler Boyd, then Juju at nine, Calvin Ridley at 10, Allen Robinson at 11, 12, Mike Evans, and that finishes my top 12. And just one more thing on Tyler Boyd. Look, you don't have to buy in to Tyler Boyd as wide receiver eight to benefit from Tyler Boyd. He is going to be a top 15 receiver if him and Burroughs play 16 games all season. Irregardless of anything else that happens, I don't see how he finishes worse than that if both of them are healthy. So Tyler Boyd, you don't have to draft him high. You're getting him in round six at the at the highest. Usually you can get him in seven. Sometimes if you're lucky, you can get him in eight. I'm taking him there every time. Every single time, I usually reach on him and grab him in six to make sure I get him, even though I could probably get him in seven. So that's my top 12 wide receivers. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys took something from it. We are going to go from wide receiver 13 to 24 on the next podcast. And then I'm still actually trying to decide what I'm going to do because wide receiver is definitely a deeper position than running back. And running back, I went, you know, top 12 and then 13 to 24 and then sleepers, basically. I think I might pump out a extra long podcast episode to finish off. I might do wide receivers 25 to 36 and then sleepers after that um, together in one. We'll see what happens. But just keep on, uh, you know, working hard, struggling to be the best that you can be, not only in fantasy football, but also in life. Uh, I know there's a lot going on right now. Hopefully football can give us the sweet release that we want from, you know, just as a distraction from everything that's going on right now. Hopefully football's back and there to stay. If you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot me uh, your questions in either my Twitter DMs or my Instagram DMs. I will answer anywhere and I'm very good with that. If you guys have any questions too, I'm going to start taking questions again for these next few podcast episodes. So if you want to ask any questions, go for it. I'll answer it on the podcast. Give you a, a little shout out, you know, say your username and whatnot. Have a good one, guys. This is Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Peace.